It feels good um, to be back. On the screen here, I want to show you a picture that you saw a little bit earlier, but this picture was taken at uh, 2.58 in the morning, uh, the morning of the fire. 2.58 in the morning, the firefighter had just finished putting out all the fires around the building, and one of them walked through the middle doors right outside that door right there and, and snapped a quick photo of what the sanctuary looked like at 2.58 the morning of the fire. You can see that it is a thick layer of smoke that just felt like it was hanging so heavy in this room. To walk in, you could really see maybe a few feet in front of you. The smoke was so thick just in this place. As we walked around the building and the alarms are going off and you walk down hallways way down in the children's and preschool areas, you wipe your finger on a desk that children were playing at just a few hours before and just blackness all over your finger. You walk down and see that squiggly line of Excel right down the center aisle of this sacred space. For maybe the next uh, two months, uh, every day, I would take it upon myself just to walk around the church, just to see the progress, just to see what things look like, right? And it seemed like every day I would spend about an hour just walking around and I would walk back into my office and I would sit down at my desk and I would just say, this place is an absolute mess. And, and I don't mean that tritely. I would just I would simply just sit down and say, this place is simply a, it's a mess. I mean, everywhere you go, you're wiping your finger on top of desks and tables and you're just coming up with soot. Everywhere you go, you get in your car to go home for the day and your car is just reek of smoke and soot. You walk around and everywhere, what do you see but smoke and soot and feel it in your nostrils just everywhere. And you just walk around with that sense to say, this place is a mess. This place is a mess. And I want to just pause right here for a moment. And do we have anybody in this room who worked for SurPro? If you worked for SurPro, if you helped with carpet, if you are participatory with SurPro, if you would just stand up for a moment, we want to say thank you for just a moment. You're here. I know you are. So this is your point to stand up, all of our SurPro <laughs> folks. I uh, see some of the guys back there. I saw a few hands sheepishly slip up in the back in different places. But I walked around and, and just talked to SurPro and just felt almost every day, this place is a mess. And SurPro has this great line, and I'm not trying to do a Jesus juke on our SurPro friends, but they have this line that they say often it's on all their materials, and it's great for probably 99% of their clients. They say, like it never happened. It's their goal. And for the building, I would say they did a, a very good job, an extraordinary job making it look like this fire never happened. But for a church, that's not our goal. The, the church is not to exit this 300-day tenure and to walk out of this place exactly the same way that we entered into it. The goal is not to simply go back to normal. I cannot tell you the amount of people that come up, good-meaning people come up and say, I bet you cannot wait to get back to normal. And that's a ship I don't want to get back on. Not that there's anything wrong with how anything has been done with us, but we have been through a 300-day tenure of time in which if we don't change and adjust and get closer into the image of God, then we've missed it. I know the Lord has taught me a lot these past 300 days. The Lord has taught me to depend and wait upon him in a new and a real way. The Lord has taught me thanksgiving in a new and a real way. The Lord has taught me in a new, in a real way. 
And so I'm exiting these 300 days with work still to be done in a new and a fresh way. And I pray for us as a we don't simply say like it never happened and keep moving forward as if there is no problem or issue. We want to walk forward as a people who are closer into the image of our Lord, who are growing in the grace of our Savior, who are celebratory about all the great things he has done. Because the reality is, great things he has done. And when I look back, great things our Lord has done. When you look back at the great things our God has done in the history of this church, they would be endless upon endless in our nearly 200-year history to be able to talk about great things our Lord has done. Week to week, though, I can tell you great things he's still doing. I mean, even this past week, I could just start going through, and it seems like this was a miracle week from the Lord. People getting healed. God bringing himself to be. It's just like a week of miraculous things happening. And so I can confidently say, as I've said many times in the past, great things he is still doing. But you know what's even greater? It's great things he has yet to do. Great things he has still yet to do. There are people in our city who need to know the grace of our Lord Jesus. There are people who need to be in that baptistry who have not yet been dunked. There are people who need to come and be a part of this body of believers who have not yet come back to be a part of it. And so there are still things yet to do. There are people in the ends of the earth who need to hear the name of Jesus. People in our neighborhoods who need to hear the name of Jesus. And so this is not time to sit back and say, well, the building is done. It's time for us to sit down and maybe get back to normal. Maybe it's time to take a vacation and just rest in. Mm -mm. There is still work to be done to his glory and for his glory. And so I would tell you that we are gathered today. Your first blank. We are gathered in a reminder of God's restoration work. Today we are gathered. We are here. We are assembled. We are worshiping in a reminder of God's restoration work. Nearly 20 years ago, we entered into this place and we walked into God's miracle. Today, I feel like we're walking into God's miracle a second time, but we're walking into God's miraculous restoration work. When I think about how you are sitting on 20 years worth of scripture that were written on the floor nearly 20 years ago. Just a few months ago, we walked down and we wrote scripture all over the floor again. I think about every time I I watch somebody walk down that center aisle, what they're walking over. That accelerant right down the middle, still stained to the concrete, but what did you put on top of it? Scripture littered right on top of what man meant for evil. God will use to good. And so every time we watch somebody walk down one of these aisles to give their life to Jesus, every time we fellowship right on top of this space, in this space, what do we see but what man meant for evil? God continues to use for his good and his glory. So every time we gather in here, we're gathered as a reminder of God's restoration work. So let's look for a moment at Psalm 107 together because I see, I think in Psalm 107, we see the hints, we see the beautiful imagery of what God is teaching us through this season. Psalm 107 uh, would say this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. I'm pretty sure at this point we could just close our Bibles and wrap it up and go on home because that's all we need to say, right? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Verse two, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he had redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. 
He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love and for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Still some others set in darkness in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they have rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So we bow their hearts down and with hard labor they fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress and he brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bar of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquity suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Hope you see a a pattern. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love and his wondrous works to children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his wonderful songs of joy. Still yet others went down in sea ships doing business on the great waters and they saw the deeds of the Lord as wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted the waves of the sea. And they mounted up to heaven. And they went down into the depths and their courage melted away in the evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and they were at their wits end. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He made the storms be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. And they were glad and the waters were quiet. And he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns the rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land in springs of water, and there he let the well and they established a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield, and by blessing they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through evil and oppression, he pours content on princes and makes them wonder in tactless waste. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise... Let them attend to these things and let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Friends, let's look at the foundations of Psalm 107. Number one, we see that there are seasons of struggle. There are seasons of struggle. For the foundations of Psalm 107, we're gonna look for a moment at these core points that there are seasons, number one, of struggle. As you see in your scripture, you see verse 4, verse 10, verse 17, and verse 23 remind us of those seasons of struggle. It says, first, some wandered in desert wastes, finding no city to dwell in. Still others in darkness in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and ires, they had rebelled against the words of God. Yet some others were fools through their sinful ways, and yet some others were in, in the, the sea, just shipwrecked by all sorts of storms. First and foremost, we see in Psalm 107 that there are indeed seasons of struggle. Our church has been through one of those small seasons of struggle. Compared to many seasons of struggle, our church's season was a very small season of struggle. 
But can I tell you, friends, as a church, there are seasons of struggle. I wish that I could tell you as a pastor, if you come to Jesus, you will no longer have any problems. All your problems will melt away. You will never face difficulty, trials, or struggles. I wish it would be so much easier to proclamate from this stage, hey, come to Jesus, and you will never face another struggle in your life. The problem is it's just not true. We see as we come to faith in Jesus, we see that our problems don't melt away, but we have a Savior who walks with us through them. And so we have and recognize that there are indeed seasons of struggle in the life of the believer and the unbeliever. It's real, it's ripe, it's here. All of us will face struggles at some point in our life. You see here in front of us, we see just in this room, we recognize that we see 300 days ago, this place was a mess. It's possible that's where you feel. Maybe you just feel like your life is an absolute mess. Maybe you connect with verse four, that you just feel like you're wandering in the desert wilderness, that you are lost, just wandering all through the wilderness and you don't feel like you know where you are or what's going on. You feel lost as the day is long. Maybe you feel like, as the psalmist says, that you are sitting in darkness, just dark and alone and isolated and you feel lonely in your lostness. Maybe you connect with verse 17 that, through your sinful ways that you're rebelling against God and you keep getting back to the same places over and over again because your sin keeps taking you there. And you're frustrated by your sin, frustrated by your shortcomings and continually frustrated at how you've fallen short. Or maybe you would resonate with verse 23 that you just feel like you're on the middle of an ocean where the waves are crashing all around you. Can I tell you, friends, whether you've been through it, whether you're going through it, or whether you're about to go through it, there are indeed seasons of struggle. But let's complete the sentence. There are seasons of struggle that are met with God's faithfulness. There are seasons of struggle that are always met by God's faithful hand, by God's faithfulness. And this is what you see in the pattern of the Psalms, that there are indeed seasons of struggle, but don't miss that there are God's faithful hand that sees us through it. You see verse six. To those that wandered in the wilderness, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and God delivered them from their distress and he led them by a straight way until they reached a city to dwell in. Verse 13, for those who are crying in the darkness, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress and he brought them out of darkness and out of the shadow of death and he burst their bonds apart. To those that are tossed by their sin, Verse 19, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress and he sent out his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. How good is that? Then in the midst of their struggle, they cry out to the Lord and he heals them. He delivers them. He leads them through. He restores their soul. And then for those who are tossed by the sea, It says in verse 28, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress and he made the storm to be still and the waves of the sea were hushed and they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. And to know that there are indeed seasons of struggle. They're there, they're real, but they are always met by God's faithfulness In the midst of what we face, we are met by God's faithful hand. Don't miss his faithful hand over you. When you cry out to the Lord, he heals, he delivers, he brings to dry and still waters. There are seasons of struggle met by God's faithfulness. 
that somehow he turns to thanksgiving. You see the finishedness of this sentence in Psalm 107. There are seasons of struggle met by God's faithfulness that he turns into thanksgiving. As you continue reading, verses 8, 15, 21, and 31 say the same exact pattern. Seasons of struggle met by God's faithfulness that somehow the Lord turns into a spirit of thanksgiving. Read it with me. It says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. That word steadfast is a beautiful word that you see peppered through this psalm. That the Lord is steadfast even when we are not. The Lord is steadfast even when we face those seasons of struggle and we feel tossed by the wind and the sea. Even though we may struggle, he remains steadfast and his love over you remains steady. Even when we struggle, he is steadfast. Even when we feel a mess, he is steady. Even when we feel broken, he is the great mender. This is what he does. This is who he is, that he is in the restoration business. And so on the back of your outline, let's just talk for a moment, God's work of restoration, how it's found. That God takes those who are weak and he makes them strong. Those who are weak, what does the Lord do? He makes strong. To those who are in turmoil today, he brings peace. If you are feeling turmoil, if you are feeling like your life is war-tossed by the winds and the seas, know that he takes your turmoil and he gives peace that surpasses all understanding. This is his restoration work, weak to strong, turmoil to peace. Weariness, weary to rest. This is the restorative work that he does in us. He takes those who are weary and he gives us rest. He takes those who are sorrowful and he somehow provides joy. He restores the joy of our salvation. And if even if you were to look at this list and say, I struggle in every one of these. I struggle in my sorrow to find the joy. I struggle in my weariness to find rest that remind you of the greatest work of restoration that our God does. He takes those who were dead and he makes them to life. The greatest work of restoration in the world today is God's work of restoration in our hearts and in our life. That he takes those who were dead in our sins and trespasses and he makes them alive together with Christ. And so what do we do? We do what verse 32 tells us to do. We extol the Lord in the congregation of the people and we praise him in the assembly of elders. That's why we've chosen the songs that we have today so that we could sing with thanksgiving. And this morning, I have come into this place to worship with anticipation that the Lord is going to meet us here in this place. And it has been a special Sunday morning. We have stood to clap. We have celebrated in worship. We have sung out with all of our hearts and all of our mind because we worship with anticipation that today we are going to meet the Lord here in this place. For 300 days, I've been looking forward to come to this Sunday to worship in this place with you. And I've walked in this place with my heart so ready to meet Jesus so ready to worship the Lord. 
I've walked in here knowing that I would not walk out of here without communing with the Lord. I knew I was. And you know I have. And can I tell you, when we worship with that attitude of anticipation that every Sunday when you walk in here, you're reminded of what sits right here. What sits right on the concrete stained floor right here. When you remind yourself what happens in baptism, that you were raised to walk in newness of life, and you worship with the other believers, worshiping full of anticipation, saying, praise the Lord. Great things he has done. So this morning, the last blank on your outline is simply that. But it's great things that he is still doing. I cannot emphasize enough how much I feel the Lord is still at work and he is still doing a great thing amongst us. Maybe today the Lord is doing something in your heart this morning. Maybe as you've sat here, you would say, my life is an absolute mess and there is no hope. I am, I am done. I cannot do it on my own. Maybe you would look and just say, I look like that picture. I am an absolute full-on mess. I'm in the desert. I'm in the wilderness. I'm, I'm war-tossed by the, the sea and I am a mess and I got no hope. I tell you, you, you can't do it by yourself. It's what Jesus does. He's in the business of taking the brokenness and making it whole. He's in the business of taking your mess and cleaning it up. He's in the business of taking that which is broken and healing it. And maybe today you would just simply say with fresh awakening that you need Jesus. Maybe for the very first time that you would come into this place and say, today I need Jesus. Today we're going to just change things up just a little bit. Instead of singing an invitation song where we may sing one stanza or two stanzas, we're gonna sing the entire song. Sorry. We're gonna sing the entire song. Because I don't want anyone to think, hey, we're just gonna sing one stanza, I can't come forward, or hey, this is just a quick little thing until we get on to the next thing. We're gonna sing the entire song. Because I believe, and I have been praying earnestly, that I believe the Lord is doing a fresh work in your hearts today. And it's possible that maybe you would come to this place and say, you know what, I've been all over the place. I've just been a wreck. And today I want to just rededicate my life to the Lord. We're a fresh start in this fresh sanctuary. Everything is painted and beautiful. Sun is shining through. I want to rededicate my life to just the freshness of the Lord in my life. I would just ask maybe you want to come and just kneel at this altar and say, yes, Lord, I'm in. You don't have to worry about the song ending at the end of a stanza. You can come on up. We're going to sing plenty of verses for you to come on down. Maybe today you want to join this family of faith and you want to be in. You're ready to go and walk with us as we follow Jesus. You can walk down one of these aisles and I would be delighted to receive you. We haven't drained the baptistry yet. Maybe you would say tonight, I want to be baptized. I want to come to a faith in Jesus and I want to be baptized. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I don't want to wait till next week. Today is my day and I want to be baptized tonight. Whatever your response, as I close in prayer and as Ed and the team begin to sing, I want you to know that this altar is open to you. You walk down one of these aisles and just kneel here and just say, Lord, I am all in and I am ready to serve. I'm ready to go with you wherever you would lead me. Lord, I need you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you that we look back on our history at this church and we say great things you have done. But Lord, we look forward with great anticipation knowing that you are not yet done. You're not yet done in this place. Lord, we thank you for the goodness of what you've done, but we look forward with absolute anticipation coming back next Sunday and worshiping in this place. 
We look forward to enjoying baptisms tonight. We look forward to this, this church being on mission for you. And Lord, we're not just opening up because we haven't been meeting or worshiping in the past. Lord, last Sunday was a beautiful expression of our faith. And the Sunday before that, a beautiful expression of our faith. A year before that and 10 years before that, Lord, we've been worshiping you in this space for years upon years. And so we just continue forward. My eyes, Lord, are anticipating your work to be done yet. So I look back saying thank you. I look today and say thank you for what you've done here. But Lord, I'm, I'm on my tiptoes looking forward saying, Lord, I cannot wait to see. I cannot wait to see, Lord, what you will do. Lord, as we have this time of invitation, Lord, I, I just pray that our hearts would be open and receptive, Lord, that we would respond however you would lead us. Because at the end of the day, Lord, we confess we need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.